0: As Christians, we attend church, but are we getting the most out of it? Are we getting what God wants out of our church attendance? In this message, Pastor Chris Chadwick breaks down how to get the most out of church. Amen. Would you take your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Timothy? 1 Timothy in your Bible tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's the first time I ever heard Zane lead in prayer. Good job, sound a little bit like a Navy brief. We'll get the Navy out of him, don't worry. We'll get the Navy out of him eventually, and uh, we'll work hard at it. I'd love to watch uh, wives watch their husbands speak, so I was just kind of captivated watching Callie critique her husband the whole time, and so uh, that was uh, reminded me of, of my own time and uh debbie and so you guys pray for zane as he goes home and kelly gives him all the pointers in the world and uh takes care of that well church is supposed to be a fun place and uh, i pray that we have a good time tonight in the lord now tonight's message just so you know is going to be a topical message. What do I mean by topical? It means I'm going to cover just the topic that we're talking about. Um, it, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. Uh, historically at Canyon Ridge, uh, I think there's and. 50 ish sermons a year here. Probably 145 of them are going to be verse by verse, by verse through the scripture. And a few of them will be like this topical, where we're going to deal with a a subject uh, biblically by way of helping you in your Christian life. Again, most of the time, uh, 98% of the time, if not 99% of the time, it's going to be verse by verse or through the narrative or whatever. Uh, And by the way, that's how most of preaching should be. That's how most of the preaching should be, but sometimes there is a need just to help folks and encourage folks by way of a topical message, and tonight uh, I felt led to do that, and, and, and there's two reasons. Number one, I've been wanting to teach on this. I'm going to teach on, I think, next week how to pray the scripture, but I'm, I'm asking the Lord for direction on that, uh, and so that'd be actually two weeks in a row, um, And the other reason is we're in Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham sacrifices or offers up Isaac. The Lord obviously provides himself a lamb uh, there, and it's so pivotal in the life of Abraham. I didn't want a bunch of people who are serving with our children tonight who would normally be in here to miss that very, very powerful and impactful passage of scripture. So so there's another reason that we're not in our normal study in Genesis chapter 22. So uh you'll have to uh come back for that and let me tell you you want to because what a powerful just reading that passage of scripture is convicting on every single level and so uh tonight let's uh jump in i want to talk to you tonight about getting the most out of church getting the most out of church In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing in verse number 14, and he says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Timothy, just to give you a little background to this text, we'll look at a lot of scripture, I won't give the background to all of them. But Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus at this time he's somewhere around 40-ish years old, 41, 42. Some people, depending on who you listen to, might say 38, 39. So somewhere in that probably four to five year window in there. And and Paul had started the church at Ephesus. Paul had spent longer a a longer period of time in Ephesus than he had any other city uh, where he had planted a church. He planted a church in a lot of places, but he spent over three years in Ephesus. He had left. Timothy was part of the ministry team. And then Paul Paul sends Timothy back to Ephesus uh, to pastor that church, to set things in order, to help people there. And he says, I want to come to you shortly. It's my desire to come to you. Verse number 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself... In the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Behave yourself. It's not dissimilar. If you grew up in my family, my mom always warned us, threatened us, encouraged us, whatever word you want with saying something like this. You better behave yourself. You you better know how you're supposed to act and you better, my mom would always say this, you better act right. Right. I see some of you parents, you're really nice to your kids. Like, oh, sweetheart, now you just be nice and kind. And if you do, mommy will give you a sweetheart when you get out of here. My mom said, you better behave because if you don't behave and somebody even looks at me, one of your teachers, when you come out of that class, I am going to rip your arm off. <laughs> really, mom, my arm? Not again. People ask me, how would you get so much bigger than your parents? I just, my arms kept getting yanked off. It's... putting it back on it's scar tissue I mean I'm just my mom wanted me to behave to act properly how you ought to by the way I like my mom's parenting more than the new age modern sycophant cry baby children don't obey give them a phone so they'll listen to you kind of parenting well he won't obey. here's a phone Oh, Judith and I—we were in Solvang, California, on Friday. This is not a rabbit trail; it's very necessary. That's what I say to every rabbit trail. So it's not Friday; it's actually Tuesday. We're in Solvang, and, and we wanted to go hiking on Tuesday, but it had rained so much on Monday that we thought, well, the the trails will be all muddy, so let's not go on Monday or Tuesday. We'll give it a day to dry out. So we go in Solvang and. We went, the kids today call it a a coffee crawl. How many of you know what a coffee crawl is? Anybody know what that is? Like nine of us in here. A coffee crawl is essentially where you go from coffee shop to coffee shop and you taste the coffee and you find out which is the best one that is there. And so you just sample all of the coffees and you have to buy them. If you fake a video, they might give it to you free. We tried that. No work. Didn't work. Um... But uh, then we, we were like, well, Solving's known for coffee and danishes. So we did a Danish crawl too. Why? Because danishes are amazing. So we went to like four or five danish shops and a bratwurst shop and a coffee shop. So we're fat and jacked up and super excited and it's about three thirty in the afternoon the sun is uh, starting to go down up there a little bit and settling behind some of the clouds a little bit and so we walk by this uh, massage place and we're walking by and it's vacation I'm with my daughter I've waited 25 years to go on a daddy-daughter vacation why because well now she can pay for some stuff And I said, hey, you want to get a massage? She goes, no, yeah, no. So we settled on that we'd get a massage and I would pay. So we get a massage and halfway through the massage, this lady came in with her children. And she had a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And she said to her kids, this is what she said to her kids. Now, I want you to sit down on this couch and I want you to behave and don't get up till I'm done. And I'm laying there and I can hear it. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well. It wasn't too long that the kids were up running up and down. No lie, running up and down the hallway. And she's getting a massage yelling with her face in the thing. Get over here. Get over here. Don't make me tell you one more time. She said, don't make me tell you one more time. No lie, I counted 13 times. Get over here. And then she started in with the bartering. If you come over here, I'll give you candy. It's bartering. Everybody, every parent does that who doesn't have strong... I'm not teaching on parenting, but here's a rule. If you say something, you've got to keep to it. If you're like, if I give... As soon as you lose words, you lose. You start doing that. You got nothing. And your kids know it. They've already won. And these kids, they didn't listen to their mom. I'm like... I literally said, I provide parenting consultation. Give you a discount, $200 an hour. And then she did. So people go from bartering to negotiation. And then they go to self-pity. And this is what the mom did. I was so mad. Oh, I got tense all over. The mom goes... I try to get one thing for me a year, just one thing, and you're so rude to me. I can't even get the one thing per year. And Judith and I looked at each other, and I thought, if you were a better parent, but I didn't say that one, because I love Jesus, and he wouldn't let me. I literally prayed, Lord, can I say something? And he said no, and I, I thought Judith would be upset. And I'm like, babe, I almost said something, I, but I was afraid. She goes, oh, dad, if you hadn't been there, I'd tell you what I would have said. And I'm like, well, next time, give me the high sign. Go for what you know or something. <laughs> Let me tell you, I had plenty to say right there. This woman did not make her children behave. Can I just tell you, your children, this is just a parenting thing. It has nothing to do with the message. It's just your pastor being a pastor. Your children ought to know that when you say it, it's a one-hit wonder. You better wander back over to do what I said, or you're gonna get one hit. It's the milli vanilli style of parenting. And girl, you know it's true. I will knock you out. Say, well, you shouldn't say that to kids today. Aren't you worried about their emotional state? Not really. I'm worried about their obedience. Now, I'm not saying that to be unkind. I don't believe in abuse in the slightest way. Not in the slightest way. I'm trying to be funny a little bit. But your children ought to understand how you're, they're supposed to behave. And they ought to do it. And children will obey. Children will obey. I don't have a problem with the kids in the church. Partly because if they're bad, I just walk away. But I don't have a problem with them. Just make them obey how they ought to behave themselves. And Paul is writing here how you ought to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Well, if you know me well, you know that I enjoy art. Not much of a collector. But I do enjoy art and most places that I go, I enjoy going to art studios and I've been to art studios really all over the country and all over the world if I can find them. I've been in Budapest, I've been to Timisoara, Romania, um, I've been to some art exhibits in Asia for sure and um, some of my favorite places to go to art studios, San Diego has a pretty decent art museum, Scottsdale, Arizona has a good art museum there. There's some good art museums there. One of my favorite is the art museum at Loyola Marymount University, downtown Chicago, Illinois. It wasn't too long ago, five years ago, that my family and I were there, and we just really kind of happened upon it. We weren't looking, per se, for that. There's so much to see in the city of Chicago and so many things to avoid. We were in a good area, and we were uh, walking by Loyola Marymount, their, their art area, and it was by appointment only. But I poked my head in and I said, Hey, could, could we view the uh, art museum? Could we view the art museum? And the lady said, Oh, yeah, we, for whatever reason, they had somebody counsel. And so we went in and, and we were just kind of looking around. And it was really cool, some of the stuff that they had. I didn't know what it was all about. I really had no idea what it was all about. And she comes up to us, she goes, Would you like a tour? And I said, oh, um, you know, normally I don't like tours, but I was like, sure. Debbie wanted a tour, the girls wanted a tour, and I thought it'd be cool to get a tour, so sure, I'll take, we'll take a tour, and so because there was no one else there, and it was us four and, and this lady, she walked us around to the different exhibits and explained the different artists and what the different artists thought, and, and she was a, like a PhD in art and had worked at the museum for, for many, many years and was just explaining these, explaining these new exhibits, and, and I just want to say this. We got so much more out of our experience because we understood what was going on behind the artwork. It would have been fun no matter what. Oh, that's a cool painting, or oh, that's a cool picture. But then when you would hear the backstory of the artist and what they went through and how they made it, or what they did, or the trials, struggles, and challenges of life and how they led to that, it was, it was much, if I could say it this way, it was much more uh, satisfying. And I wanted to return to that art exhibit and to Loyola Marymount in Chicago to, to see more of the art. Why? Because because I, listen to this phrase, I got the most out of that experience. I could make that parallel in a lot of different ways and illustrate it. But sometimes when it comes to church, can I be honest with you? I know a lot of people who get almost nothing out of church. As a matter of fact, they tell me. That. Like I came to church and I, I didn't get anything out of it. Oh, you didn't get anything out of it? No, I didn't get anything out of it. Nothing? Not a thing. That's interesting, because I did, and these people did, but you got nothing. I got nothing out of it. What? What's the difference? Well, I want to help you tonight, just from a topical, biblical perspective, to help us get the most out of church. How do we do that? I'm going to share with you seven thoughts tonight. Why seven? I don't It's just where I ended. Seven thoughts. We could say it's God's perfect number, but that had nothing to do with it. Number one. Pray that God would get, Pray and ask God for a spirit of excitement as his people gather. Pray that God would give you a spirit of excitement as his people gather. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? I mean pray and ask God to excite you. Just leave these up while I talk about them tonight. Just pray and ask God to excite you to look forward to coming to church. If you're going like this, man, we got to go to church tonight. Okay, come on, guys, let's go. Let's get it over with. If going to church is like going to your in-laws at Thanksgiving, there's a problem. If you have wonderful in-laws, then it should be like that. But let me say it this way. If going to church is like driving through L.A., I love my in laws, but my, I don't love my in laws as much. If they would live south of LA, I'd love them more. But they live in Bakersfield, so I got to drive through LA to get there. So every time, I, matter of fact, I was, Judith and I uh, were able to spend some time with them on Thursday night uh, this last week. Went to a, a melodrama in Santa Maria with them. It was an awesome experience. We just had a good time with my in laws. I love them very much. But if you're like, oh, I got to go to church, we just got to go, that's not the spirit that God wants for you. There ought to be a spirit of excitement in your heart that you get to gather with the people if you're saved that you'll be in heaven with for eternity. And I'm gonna say this. I think God in the heart of his people puts a holy excitement in our heart about being there. I get to be at church. I get to see people that I love. I get to see people that I like. I get to meet new people. I can't wait to be at church. It ought to excite us to be in the Lord's house. It don't excite us, and if I could say this, I'm not saying it's a sin, but I am going to say it's concerning for sure. If church is a constant drudgery for you. Every once in a while we certainly have to go to church out of duty. I get that. Sometimes it's, "Oh, I'm just having an out of season time. We'll look at that probably in a minute. But I'm just having an out of season time. I'm not on a spiritual high." That, that it, sometimes that's the case. But if that's the regular feeling that you have, I'm going to submit to you, that's a really big indicator of a deep spiritual problem. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. God, give my family a spirit of excitement. Pray for others. Pray for others. Psalm 42, verse number four. Turn there real quick, would you? We're gonna look at a lot of scripture tonight, so you'll have to turn fast. Psalm 42, verse number four. Psalm 42, four. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. How did I go? I went with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day or kept the holy day. I went with them with a voice of joy and praise. I was excited to be with them. That's a voice of joy and praise. Look over at Psalm 8410. Turn to the right a little bit. Psalm 8410. Psalm 8410. Scripture says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather been a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I just, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather, here's what a doorkeeper is. A doorkeeper is an usher. I'd rather be an usher in the house of God just to be with the people of God than to dwell in the tents. And tents was a a very high and lofty place in this time period than to be in the tents of the wicked and to live in these beautiful tents. I'd rather just hang out and be in the house of God, be around the people of God. Psalm 95 verse number 2. The Bible says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with Psalm. Psalm 122, verse number one. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, hey, let's go to church. I was glad when they said that. That ought to be our spirit. And by the way, this ought to be your prayer. You ought to pray something like this. Lord, I pray that I'll have a spirit of joy and gladness every opportunity that I get to go to church. See, these are God's words, Psalm 122.1, and you ought to pray them to connect the promise of God with the prayer of the saint is a wonderful thing. God, give me and give our church family And as God brings individuals to your mind that maybe they've been struggling. God, give us a spirit of joy as we enter into your house. Let it never be said that we come to church and it's drudgery, really even duty. Let it always be a delight to enter into the house of God. So pray and ask God to give you a spirit of excitement as his people gather. I'll tell you what, this is, what, what's going on here spiritually is far more impactful than what went on at any stadium in the NFL today. Or the NBA, or the World Series. Praise God, the Braves are doing well. Say, so why are you rooting for the Braves? I don't know, but I, I am. I really don't care. I do, I do kind of care about baseball. I like people that sing the national anthem that don't kneel for the flag. I'm almost becoming a baseball fan. Wednesday night I'm actually going to wear an In-N-Out t-shirt to church. Yeah, and we're not going to check your vaccine mandates either. I just I just kind of like them. We're going to take a staff trip this week to In-N-Out just to support them. I'm going to bring a sack lunch so that I can get food down but I'm going to go just to support them let them know I'm there it's like a field trip excited about that excited about that pray that there would be a spirit anything what happened here today is the most important thing that happens not just in our church in every Bible preaching church all over the world It's not unique to Canyon Ridge. It's unique to Bible preaching, Bible teaching, orthodox churches that teach the doctrine of the apostles that goes all the way back to Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew and context understanding and learning of the Old Testament. I mean, this is the most exciting thing that happens in all of our lives every single week. We ought to be excited about it. Secondly, tonight, getting the most out of church, Come with a spirit to encourage, be encouraged, and fellowship. Come with a spirit to encourage, be encouraged, and fellowship. Turn to Romans chapter 15, would you? Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. Romans fifteen one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Now, remember, we'll, we'll talk about this in detail in a while in our Sunday morning series. But we then that are strong spiritually ought to bear the infirmities of those who are weak spiritually. And notice this next five-word phrase. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Now the neighbor is not talking about a dude in the neighborhood, it's talking about your neighbor in the local church community. Well you know you could apply it to your neighbor at your street on the street or community in which you live, but Paul is talking about people within the local church. For even Christ pleased not himself, even Christ didn't do that and he deserved to do that. But as it is written, the, repro- the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. Come with a spirit to encourage. That ought to be the spirit that you enter into church with is the spirit to encourage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 18. The Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Turn there real quick. I want you to see 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Paul is talking about people who have died and went to be with the Lord. Uh, They're saved for sure. They died within the framework of the local New Testament church, meaning they they died and they were members of the church. Verse number 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Talking about at the rapture. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The word comfort here is the word the Greek word perikaleo. And it means to aid or to help or to encourage Wherefore, encourage people in the church. Encourage people in the church. Part of your responsibility as a believer is to encourage folks. That's part of your responsibility. It's part of my responsibility is to encourage people who need encouragement. Now, these people Paul is talking to are people who had died and there was, there was a weight, there was a heaviness in the local congregation because somebody within the church had, had died, no doubt. That's hard and difficult in any church environment. It's always a challenge. I had a, a dear friend of mine that died this week. We sent a, a text message, a brother that I went to Bible college with, missionary in Fiji. Last time I saw him was in Fiji about five years ago, five or six years ago and we had went to college together we had been good friends not super close but close and when you go to a small Bible college you're friends with just about everybody and and we had had good fellowship and good connection and they found out about he was diagnosed in Fiji three weeks ago with severe case of bone cancer and two weeks later he had passed to be with the Lord And uh, one of our missionaries, Rakesh Kumar in Fiji, reached out and let me know about uh, the death of Navi Bola and the church that Navi pastor, Brother Navi pastor, is having a very, very difficult time right now. And Rakesh, who uh, was Navi's best friend, is having a very difficult time. And so you say, well, what did you say to him? Uh, I said, don't forget, we will meet him again one day. Let's comfort one another with these words. Bernie and Leslie lost their baby four years ago now. Is that right? Three years ago now, when they lost their baby. We went to this passage of Scripture, and what did we do? We provided comfort, parakaleo. We reminded, and really, Bernie reminded me, that they'll meet him again, and then we was kind of cyclical. We would remind each other, we will see you again one day. Comfort one another, to provide encouragement. Hebrews chapter ten, verse number twenty-five says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of sin." Some is don't skip church like some people do. That's what Hebrews ten twenty-five means. But exhorting one another. Add so much the more as you see the day approaching. The word exhort in Hebrews 10.25 is the same word as comfort in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, Parakaleo, But provide aid, comfort, encouragement. Encouragement to put courage into. Sometimes people are weak and they're struggling and they're having a bad day. Part of your responsibility as a believer is to put courage into that person. Now I'm gonna share a, a lifting scenario. So those of you who don't lift, you just have to work with me. I think you'll grasp it. If you lift heavy and you're going for a, what we call a PR, a personal record or per, personal best in the lifting world, it's called a PR. And you're going for a one rep PR. If you're smart, you get people to gather around you. Whenever I lift heavy, I get as many people in the gym to come around. I'm obnoxious about it. Like, hey, I'm going for a PR. Watch, watch. Video it. Watch. Come here. Come here. I need you to watch this. Come watch this. Watch this. I'm going for a PR. And I have a whole little routine that I go through. And it's my routine. And it involves pulling my ears, slapping myself in the face, smacking myself in the chest and the legs, sniffing ammonia, shooting myself up. No, I'm kidding about that one. But all the rest of them, I'm pretty serious. And as I go to lift, especially like if our staff is there and other folks from the gym that know me, let's say it's a back squat and I start getting locked in, the terms locked in to make a really big lift, they start screaming words of encouragement to me. And as I'm lifting, here's part of the thing that I, I think of as I'm going through it. And there's, if it's a real PR, you're going to have what's called a fight. It's going to be a fight at some point in the lift. You're going to hit a sticking spot, and you've really got to push through that. And as you hit that sticking spot, they start yelling even louder and louder and louder. What are they doing? They're putting courage into me, courage I didn't already have. And I make the lift and I rack and people are like, oh, you did a great job. Well, I didn't do it alone because people were encouraging me. They were bringing courage in. That's part of the responsibility of the believer on a regular basis, to put courage into people. Do you get the idea? Put courage into so when you, so we're, we're part of our responsibility as believers is to encourage people who come to church. That's why if you just sit over the corner and you're like, well, I'm waiting to be encouraged." Well, you're never going to get all out of it, that you should. Well, I need encouragement. Can I tell you the best way to ever get encouraged is to encourage? And then that's not some psychobabble principle. The greatest way to get encouragement is to walk around and encourage people. Hey, man, how you doing? So proud of you for being here. Great to see you. I've been praying for you all week long. Now, if you haven't been praying for somebody, don't lie. But encourage folks. Pray for people. Encourage them. Help them. Come with the spirit to encourage. Come with the spirit to be encouraged. I'm going to try to be funny to prove a, what is really a very serious point. But we have people at our church, and this is what they do. And I just pray for you spiritually. I want to encourage you. But some of you are encouragement vampires. You literally take all the encouragement one person could give, and you just drain it right out of them. I mean, you're, you're an encouragement vampire. Like, I, this is how you... Hey man, how are things going? I'm sorry, what was that? I mean it is what it is. What what is what it is? You know. I don't know. What is it? Oh God. It just it's just Rainy days and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays always get me down. Are you saying every day gets you? Yeah, when I wake up, I'm discouraged. Now listen, if you have a medical condition and you, you, you struggle with depression, we want to help you. But sometimes this is, this is kind of the calling card that you have you just kind of ticked off at the whole world. Don't be ticked off at the whole world. Come with a spirit to encourage and Come with a spirit to be encouraged. I got to church this morning. And I thought, man, I can't wait to encourage people. And man, I can't wait to be encouraged by folks. Have a spirit that will allow others to encourage you. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We will to bear the infirmities of the week. Well, can I tell you, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6, 1, either being spiritual, uh, turn to Galatians 6, 1, because I'm, I'm messing it up with all the other verses I have tonight. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here's the biblical principle. I'm supposed to help bear your burden. You're supposed to help bear my burden. But you have to let people bear your burden. Church isn't always about putting on a happy face. Now, we don't want, as I said, we don't want the spirit of the dude who just won't be encouraged. But I'm to encourage you. Here's the idea, Galatians 6.2. And you're supposed to encourage me. Come with a spirit to encourage and be encouraged. There are some people in this church I cannot wait to see them. I can't wait. Like man, I just can't wait to see them. I love it. They're going to be an encouragement. It's going to be fun. Some people you connect with a little bit more. But that's totally fine. But we're to be a people who encourage one another and allow ourselves to be encouraged. We ought to be encouraged. You ought to walk away from church encouraged, not simply because of the preaching and the music, though that's important, but one of the great parts about the local New Testament church is the fellowship of the saints. Why do we have a Wednesday night service? I've had any number of guys go, You can't find that in the Bible. You can't. You're right. I've read it, I don't know, 60 something times through. I'll be done with my second time this year sometime, I think, in November. I'm in the major prophets right now, and I love them, but man, they can be difficult. But I, I you're right, you can't find Wednesday night service in church. What you can find is that every time the church is to meet together, you're supposed to be there. And here's the principle why? Because we need encouragement sitting at home watching netflix and youtube videos isn't really encouraging i don't care how cute the cats are those people who think cats are cute how many of you like cats i will pray for you oh my word i I, listen i think cats ought to be in the wild and cats that are indoors ought to be eaten by dogs don't do it in my presence. I don't want to see it. I just love dogs. I love to watch cats kill stuff. I mean, it's great. They take care of gophers and mice and everything else. But, man, they just, cats, they, they hate you. They want to kill you. If they were big enough, they would kill you whenever they feel like it. How many of you have cats? You know, you know I'm telling the truth too. Like, I have a cat. You praise the Lord for your cat. You go home and just wait a while. That cat is going to look at you. I'm just telling you, he is going to look at you like a fat kid looks at a hot dog at some point. He's just put some mustard on that human. I'm taking them out. That's why they sit in the other room and they just watch. That's why they always sit on top of the fridge. When you come in there, they're just planning. They're planning on a day when you'll be weak. There goes your kidney. Yep. You ever you've never seen Garfield, I'll tell you. We're to be a people who are encouraged. And fellowship. Come in the Spirit to be encouraged. To encourage, rather, be encouraged and a spirit to fellowship to fellowship the word fellowship is a greek word koinonia means to come together where we're to come with the spirit to come together fellowship with different people every week if you fellowship with only the same person every week you're missing the diversity and the beauty of the local new testament church I'm encouraged by Bill and Linda Griffith. They're an encouragement to me. I love Bill and Linda. But I can't hang around Bill and Linda all the time. Why? Because I'll be happy and quiet all at the same time. Linda's always happy, Bill's always quiet. So I, I have to talk to other folks in the church. And the diversity of fellowship is going to encourage me. And I'm to fellowship with different folks. So how do I do that? Well, I got a couple of ideas. You know I got a couple of ideas. Come early. If you can at all, come early. I always worry about people that schedule to get at church right as the service starts. Matter of fact, I can almost tell you spiritually that when I see people consistently come in just as the service starts, or I've even we've even seen people over the years that come in a few minutes late, they come in a few minutes late every week, and they, they leave really quick. They come in late, they leave really quick, or they come in early, and they stand over in the corner, and they make people come and talk to them, and they, they're, a, they're an energy drain, they're an encouragement drain, they're an energy vampire, whatever the case you want to call it, or, or an encouragement vampire, whatever you want to call it. It's not long before they're not living for Christ at all come early stay late well I got so much to do you know what most people do this is what I've learned because I ask when people have so much to do and sometimes people really do some of y'all have to get up at 4 a.m. I get all of that and Your pastor is not being unkind here I am not speaking to you but I'm speaking to the person who doesn't have to do that on on you know and, and Sunday night we get out pretty early we'll be done in a few minutes Um, I'm just letting the kids have fun so hold on and encourage your pastor uh, while we fellowship and I talk Um, it's like being with Bill Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding, Linda's shaking her head and Bill's writing a note tell pastor he's a jerk (laughs) which is true but if, if we're not careful, we view church simply as what happens when the service, when the music starts playing and we view church as being over when we're dismissed from this room. But church is so much more than that. Church is so much more than that. Church is a place of encouragement. Church is a place to be encouraged, to encourage, and a place of fellowship. Here's the truth. In going through the Scripture, you don't always, as a pastor, get the privilege of preaching encouraging messages. Matter of fact, a lot of studies have been done about the nature of the text. This is one of my problems with the modern-day church movement, people always preaching encouraging messages. In the Bible, it's three to one, negative to positive. Like, why are you, man, why it seems negative? Well, because the verse is negative. I don't really I would I would rather only speak on the positive passages of scripture. But then I'd be a really bad pastor, and ultimately we wouldn't be encouraged in the word. We'd be fluffy. But where the encouragement comes and the help comes and the strength comes is in the one on one courtyard conversations that we're constantly having with different people. And so, people, this is what people will tell me oh, I talk to different people all the time. I encourage you to journal that. Put it in your phone or get a paper journal, however the case, and just write down who you fellowshipped with every week at church. And you'll really begin to see whether or not you really are diverse in your fellowship. I want a fellowship with people who speak different languages. I want a fellowship with people from El Cajon, Amen. different countries. <laughs> I want a fellowship with people from different backgrounds and different education levels. That's how we ought to be. And we ought to journal that. So fellowship. I got to move on. I preached for 26 minutes, two points, and, and we got seven to go. This next one's fast. <sighs> Number three, look for opportunities to serve and pray for the people you serve. Look for opportunities to serve. In January, we will be having a ministry involvement night here at Canyon Ridge. And it's going to give you opportunities to serve. And sometimes people say, Well, I signed up for a lot, and I, I, I'm not able to do that. Yeah, because we don't always need computer repair. Or we don't always need your specialty, and, and don't take us as negative. When we have a need, I promise you, will be somebody will be calling you. But you can even serve just people in our church by going to them, uh, encouraging them, helping them as they carry stuff. Can I just, maybe this is a pet peeve, maybe it's generational, but I think it's biblical. If men see ladies carrying a bunch of stuff, gentlemen help them carry stuff. They don't sit over there and go, man, she's strong. Look how much she can carry. Wow, impressive. No, hey, can I help you with that? Most ladies will go, no, 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 I got it. No, 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 my mom will spank me if you don't let me carry that for you. What is that? That's an encouraging act of service. And you ought to teach your children to do that too. You ought to teach your sons to do that. I, as everybody knows, I I like to hang out with the little kids in the church. I don't really hang out with them. I bribe them with candy and tell them they have to say they love me. Well, whenever I'm around somebody that has something to carry, I'll make the little boys carry stuff. Brett, Jace, Bernie, all of them (laughs) carry this. And they're just looking at me, yeah, we get to carry this for so-and-so. What are we doing? We're looking for opportunities to serve. And then we're going to spend time, just as we're doing that, praying for that person that we're serving. Asking God to bless them and encourage them and help them and pray for them during the week. If you're a Sunday school teacher, some of you teach classes, some of you pick kids up on your way to church, you're like, oh, it's so hard sometimes. Stop thinking about yourself. Praise God you have an opportunity to serve him by serving others. You only serve God by serving people. There's no other way to serve the Lord. So to play the saxophone is an act of service for the rest of us that helps us worship. To pick kids up and bring them to church might be the greatest act of service you've ever done in your entire life. When you begin to think that God might call that young man and he might get, prayerfully they'll get saved and they'll come, they'll live their life for Christ. Maybe God calls them into the ministry. They preach the gospel. All traced back to the fact that you picked them up. You can serve them and pray for them all week long. If you teach a class, you ought to pray for your class all week long. You ought to pray for your class every day of the week and not just in general terms. Lord, be with this child and this child and this child or this adult, this adult, this single person, whatever the case may be. We ought to be a people who are looking for opportunities to serve and pray for the people we serve. Number four, encourage yourself and others by singing to the Lord. Encourage yourself and others by singing to the Lord. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to look at a lot of scripture that I have, but You can go home and study Exodus 15, 1, a song of victory, Judges 5, 1 to 3, Deborah and Barak singing praise to the Lord of Israel because of a victory, Psalm 13, 5 and 6, Um, 1 Corinthians 4, 15, where the scripture says, what is it then I pray in the spirit and will pray with understanding also, I will sing with the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I will sing with understanding also. Ephesians chapter 5, turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is what's going on in the church. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord. Now we're supposed to sing well Psalms, the Psalms, hymns, the hymns of the faith, spiritual songs like uh, "As the Deer" is a Psalm, but we sing some spiritual shorter songs. We try to follow this model in every service of Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing in our heart to the Lord. Encourage yourself by singing to the Lord. Well, I'm afraid somebody might hear my voice. It's the voice God gave you. It's funny. Sometimes I hear people singing and I want to hear good people singing and, and, and people who sing well. So sometimes I'll hear people singing. Then I'll move in front of them. Like if I'm sitting on the front row and they're over here and then they get quiet. That's well, the voice that God gave you. If it's bad, I'll move away. It's the voice that God gave you. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. How do we teach and admonish word admonish encourage instruct how do we encourage instruct one another how do we teach one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your heart to the Lord grace here is not God's riches at Christ's expense grace here is the supernatural enabling of God that brings about Christ like change it's the power of God singing with the power of God in your hearts to the Lord. I've just done a study. I guess it's anecdotal, but I think it's 100% accurate across the board. The better you sing, the more you get out of church. The better you sing, the more you get out of church. Well, I, just, I got kicked out of choir when I was nine. Okay, but well, we won't ask you to be in the choir. Good thing, because we don't have one. We are the choir. And sing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And you teach and admonish one another. Sometimes when people sing and I look around, I can see, hmm, there's something wrong there. Why is there something wrong there? Well, because we're singing, I'm just looking, looking here, we're singing a song that we know, what sacred fountain freely springs it from the throne of God and all new covenant blessing brings. It's Jesus' precious blood or as long as you're glorified. And they're just kind of disinterested. I see dudes, this is what dudes often do. Like, oh, just, how's the dear pentecost? Barely moving our mouth because we're, we're too wrapped up in ourselves. We're thinking we're too cool to do that. Like, oh man, that's, that's what, you know, the women like the music. I like the word. Well, bro, if you like the word, then you're going to open your mouth and sing with exuberance to the Lord. Amen. Now, there's no premium in heaven of guys who won't sing praise to God, it's a part of the service. Matter of fact, this morning I was exhausted when I came in. I didn't sleep well last night. And this is what I was praying. This was my prayer. I prayed a lot this morning. But I, this was my prayer at about 6 o'clock this morning. Like, Lord, if you can just get me to the music part of the, the worship part of the service, I'll be able to make it through. Would you give me the strength? And I got into the music, and I'm hearing Bernie and the group sing. I and mean, my whole world turned around just hearing them sing. You say, well, I mean, I can get on the radio and hear better music. Uh, Okay, but can you get on the radio and see better people? Can you get on the radio and encourage one another better? I mean, when was the last time that you were on the radio going, oh, man, that guy singing, just his facial expression really encouraged me. Some of you act like you're getting vaccinated whenever you sing, Precious blood it comes. You ever see those kids, they get that, when they cry, oh, precious blood it comes. Sing with joy. Celebrate the Lord. And by the way, turn to Psalm 47, one. I just want some of you hyper-spiritual, old fundamentalists, which that's how I grew up too, to see what the Bible says about this. Psalm chapter 47. Say amen when you get there. Like nine of you are there. Psalm 47, verse number one. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Now watching white people clap in church can be funny. Some of you have the, have the rhythm of an armadillo. With a sprained left ankle, I'm watching you clap, and I'm like, "Holy cow! I've never seen such bad timing in my whole life." But regard—I'm I'm, I'm being a little bit funny, but not really. We ought to clap unto the Lord. Well, who are we clapping to? To the Lord God Almighty. With the voice of triumph. Well, what's triumphing about Sunday morning? Every Sunday morning, we're celebrating the greatest greatest triumph of all time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I say that every week. I think you forget it. It's not just on Easter Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection. The reason we meet on Sundays, the reason we don't meet on Saturdays, is because Christ rose from the grave on Sunday morning. And every week is a consistent reminder of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we meet together, we can sing. Granted, watching Bernie sometimes sings; he, he has the life of a sea urchin. Sometimes I get it. Lift high! I've never. When we get a music stand. Use your hands, whatever. But let's be a people who clap and praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, practice. Number five: Look forward to and ask God to bless the preaching of His Word. Look forward to and ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Here's the truth. Not every message is going to be a home run. Hopefully, at least if we read the scripture, we didn't strike out. But have you ever noticed that sometimes what's not powerful for you might be life-changing for someone else? (laughs) I was in church not too long ago. And we got done. I don't remember where I was. I was somewhere um, with my sister was there, Gloria, uh, Debbie was there, and I was there. And Gloria goes, "What did you think of the service?" And I was like, "It was good. It was good. it's good. It's fine." She goes, "I said why?" She goes, "Oh, that was the most powerful message I ever heard." Here's the truth of the matter: I didn't find it that powerful. Was it good? Sure. Was it helpful? Of course. Was it something that I remember with such power? No. Well, was she closer to the Lord than you were? Oh, maybe, maybe not. But maybe there was a need in her life or a word of encouragement that the Holy Spirit used. For me, it was just a meal. Like, like, like let me illustrate this way. Not every meal is a great meal, right? Not every meal is a great meal. Matter of fact, some meals aren't even good. They just get you to the next one. Oatmeal. Not that good. Matter of fact... Some people are like, oh, I like oatmeal. I'm like, tell me how you make it. Oh, I put four scoops of brown sugar in it, three tablespoons of, of honey in it. I put Cheerios in it, nuts in it, and three pounds of fruit. Bro, you don't like oatmeal. You like everything else. Totally fine with that, by the way. But oatmeal, just oatmeal in and of itself, not really that good, but you can survive on it, can't you? You don't want a steady diet of oatmeal for the rest of your life, but you can. You'd survive. You'd be Okay. But sometimes meals just get you to the next day. But some meals are amazing. Sometimes people say, Pastor, what's your favorite meal? I have have a couple of favorite meals. One is the, it's new. It's the national dish of Peru. I had it in Atlanta two weeks ago. The person who wrote, heaven came down and glory filled my soul, did so while eating that that meal. It's strange skirt steak that is sliced thin and and it's marinated for about 48 hours in this soy sauce sugar and a touch of jesus and then it's it's fried and then there's some onions fried with it some tomatoes and then these french fries i talked about before i can't get it out of my mind these french fries double fried uh, they put them on a down the french fries down and then everything else goes on top of it it's an amazing meal one of my favorite dishes ever Top five. The next favorite dish I had was held in a village, a Hmong village in northern Thailand, right across the Mekong River from, from Laos. And and you'll never get to eat that one either, uh, or that one, because they'll, uh, I don't know, if, if you go with me, we'll do it. It'll be awesome. I'd love it. But as a general rule, you probably won't ever eat it. Just some ladies in the church made it. And that was fantastic. I'll never forget it. But as a general rule, my favorite meal is a really great hot dog. I love them. (sighs) Like if you offered me, no lie, if you offered me, like, hey, Pastor Filet Mignon at Ruth's Chris, or Pink's hot dogs in downtown LA, if I didn't have to drive, I'm telling you right now, Pink's hot dogs win every time. Every time. All day long. We're up in Solvang. What do we want for lunch? All these places eat bratwurst. And we went. We got different types of bratwurst and all these different types of mustard. I love mustard. Why? Because Jesus hates mayo. And, I mean, it was just so good. I don't think Jesus cares about mayo. I'm just being silly. But it's so, so good. I love it. Now, here's the deal. You probably are going, that's disgusting. But a hot dog with onion and tomato and pickle, not sweet pickles, and not any of that stupid relish. Relish is horrible. Relish is evil. I despise relish. But you would be like, why would you enjoy a hot dog? I mean, take me, like literally, I I have to walk around the hot dog stand at Costco. I mean, it's cheap. I could eat as many as I wanted, but I have to walk around them literally walk around it just so I won't order that because I mean it's just probably not good for my fitness so I don't eat it but I just I walk around it but the whole time I'm inside this is what I'm thinking about I could get one of those hot dogs I could cancel tomorrow's workout When I'm on vacation, I try to go to Costco. Sometimes if we were like at a cook for yourself vacation, like Airbnb or something, I will go buy a whole package of Costco hot dogs and I will see how many of them I can eat. Why? Because I love them. Now you're all looking at me like you are a moron. (laughs) Fine. That's totally fine. I get it. Accept it. I appreciate it. Your honesty is refreshing and offensive. (laughs) Here's the thing about preaching. Some people may like different styles of sermons than you. If you eat hot dogs, you're like, I don't really like them. I don't really care. It's not my thing. Sometimes you can hear a message. We have guest speakers come and they preach. And people are like, Pastor, wasn't that fantastic? And I'm thinking, no. It was good. It was great. Sometimes I, and then I'm hearing a guest speaker and I'm like, man, that was amazing. Brother Burn and I don't like the same type of preaching. As a general rule, we both love preaching, but sometimes we like different ones. We had a guest speaker back in November that on the Sunday night of our revival, he preached what I would consider to be the number two message I've heard in my entire life. Over 6,000 messages that I've heard, probably closer to 10,000. If you add in the audio messages and all that, it was number one or two that I've ever heard in my entire life. We were talking about it later, and Brother Burns was like, it was good. It was helpful. He's like, it wasn't that good. And I'm thinking, oh, dude. I asked him if he was saved. I tried to re-baptize him. (laughs) Really did. Now, here's, here's my point. The word of God is amazing. And some messages will really get to you, and some messages probably won't as much. Some of you tonight are like, oh, this is really helpful. And others are like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. That's good. It's helpful. Good reminder. Yeah. That's my point. My point is you ought to come and ask God to bless the preaching of his word and look forward to, I want to look forward to all week long the preaching of the word of God. Some things about messages will be better. Some things won't. You got a human element. Sometimes my humor is amazing. Sometimes my humor is anything but humor. And we're commanded to preach. First Timothy chapter four verse two. I charge you therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing, preach the word. That's why we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. We're commanded to preach the word. That's why we don't do a steady diet of topical preaching like this. Why? Because it, it, it affords too much of the preacher's opinion in it. I could say too many things. Ask me a topic, I could come up with a message about it. But as we just go verse by verse through the scripture and and allow the word of God to dictate, that's where life change really comes from. And we're commanded to preach it. So pray for the preaching during the week. Have some way to remind yourself, every time you see a pen, because your pastor loves fountain pens, pray for preaching. They both start with the letter P. I don't know. I'm just coming up with dumb ideas now. But every time you see something, let it trigger you to pray for preaching. Pray for yourself, your family, your friends. Pray that lost people would be saved. Pray pray that Christians would be encouraged. And pray that we would have joy during the preached word of God. Having joy might be different for folks. Some would deal with it with a lot of laughter. Some might deal with joy a little bit differently. But have joy in your heart. I'm just going to quickly share these next two points and we'll be done. Number six, be open to God moving on your heart and living out a life of faith. You're in Colossians chapter 3. Look again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Be open to God moving on your heart. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 2. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is such a helpful passage of scripture. 2nd Peter chapter 1 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse number 2 Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord Can I just let you in the more you learn about God and Jesus Christ the more grace and peace you will have That's why we don't preach a lot of how to messages we want you to learn theology. We want you to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to learn about God. why? Because that's where grace and peace comes from. Verse number three, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be open to God moving on your heart and then be open to living out your faith. If you come to church and you hear the word preached and it doesn't have an impact on your life, I'm going to tell you, I, I worry about that. Whether it's Zane Garza and one of those epic 15 minute messages that he loves to preach. Some of y'all are about to get cyanide in a meal and tell you. Right now, Brianna, um, or whether it's Bernie and his professorial tone and seven-syllable words that you're like, "What? What did that mean?" A to brute? I mean, what, what? What? Or whether it's riddled with nonsensical humor like mine or whoever. Or the wisdom of an aged, very, very aged man like Charlie Hughes. <laughs> like, oh, what, like When you're 94, you're just old. There's no way around it. <laughs> and when you're family, you just have to endure it. So there you go. Super proud of him. He got back from South Carolina yesterday. I said, how was he?" He says, great. You get early boarding at this age. So... He's been an AARP AARP member my whole life. So (laughs) praise the Lord for that. No, seriously, but whether it's the age, wisdom, and, and preaching, we ought not be, I'm just being silly, but we ought not be so concerned about style. We just ought to be concerned about God moving on our hearts and living out a life of faith. And then number seven, you want to get the most out of church? However God moved on your heart during the service, make that a matter of prayer and submission during the week. Make that a matter of prayer and submission during the week. Now, I told you I love to go to art studios and things like that and have tours. But I can tell you this. I don't really remember any of the artists that I studied. I don't really remember anything that the people have said. When I walk out of the art studio, I just walk out and I pretty much forget about it. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. It's art. Who cares? It's not eternal. But when I walk out, I'm done and I'm going to go do something else. But when we're talking about the eternal word of God, if he spoke to you during that message, you ought to pray all week long about the things that he spoke to you about. I shared the story of the guy that I witnessed to Friday night when we were both in the hot tub near Solvang, California. Can I tell you where that came from? I mean, God is always working on my heart to be a better witness. But in October, two days before men's retreat, my dear friend R.B. Willett was preaching in a church in Lancaster, at Lancaster Baptist, and he preached on the importance of soul winning and leading people to Christ and sharing the gospel. And I walked out of there under deep conviction because I don't share the gospel enough. I'm a pastor, but I look for appointments, and I don't look so much for divine appointments. I don't always look for God putting the person in front of me. And so I got under conviction, and I began to pray and have been praying since October 3rd. God, help me to be a better witness. Help me to be, help me to see the world as you see them. Put people in my path, Lord. I need to lead other people to you. There's more lost people in the world right now than ever before in human history. God, help me to lead people to you. Help me to share the gospel. Show me people. I'm trying to pray that every day. God, put people in my path. And the brother sat down. Well, he's not a brother, but he's a dude. Sat down. And God's like, you've been praying today, here he is. Okay. So however God speaks to your heart, make it a matter of prayer and submission that week. Whatever it is. Well, God spoke to me about not being such an energy vampire. Okay, good. Then that needs to be a matter of prayer for that week. And maybe for much longer. Maybe for the rest of your life. I don't know. I'm just saying whatever. I'm going to have to pray to witness to people like you, most of you are. I'm going to have to pray to be a witness to people every single day of my life because it's so easy to let everything else cloud out what is most important when there's nothing more important than sharing my faith. Some people say, well, Pastor, I do this so you can share uh, faith. Well, I can share my faith, but God's called you to do the same thing. God's called all of us. So make it a matter of prayer. Whatever the message is, make it a matter of prayer. However God speaks to you, make it a matter of prayer and submission during the week. God, however you speak to me, this is what I'm going to do. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages anytime at canyonridgebaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. We look forward to seeing you.